What's really good? Hey, welcome to another episode of the Lost Causes Social Club podcast, Bar and Grill. <laughs> like fucking Chili's. Yeah. Um, well, we're 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 like we're a little bit nicer than a Chili's. Like we require we have a dress code and like we smell good. This is nah, the uh, this is the late night fireside chat version yeah. of the show. Basically, so uh, yeah, we're a little later tonight. I uh, hope Larry doesn't have to get up too early for work. Probably does. We do, but the thing we're talking about tonight is something that uh, means lots to me, so I don't give a shit yeah. what time it is. So anyways, uh, before we get into that, I want to give a quick shout out to our boy, Tony Pogorek, uh, my bandmate and friend, a friend of all of us, friend of the pod, because he's been listening to the show. So yes, I know we Tony. Have, we have one. Oh, d- we have one. Yeah, so we have one listener at least. Oh, that's cool. Shout out, Tony. We know Chris, we know Chris Plant's not listening to this. Um, so <laughs> I mean, He's fucking straight up just like told us on the show and i was like man fuck you dude like, i mean uh, that yeah but at the same time respect to just like, well, rock up to a show and be like i don't listen to this shit we already got chris That's on so fair. anything after that episode's gravy right yeah we can it's uh there's nothing left to, to shoot for so now it's all just it's all going down from here right it's all downhill from here all right so before we get into this topic uh Rare, which, actually, which larry just transitioned into uh we got larry the printer first and foremost this is the guy steering the ship, doing all the work, so give it up for him. I don't steer the ship by any means. I just happen to be on a ship. Of some sort. All right, fair enough. We got Fact Ass Steve. I think you steer the ship more than anything. We got Fact Ass Steve, who's checking the facts and checking the ass. What it do, baby? And baby. I'm your boy, Mill. We still don't have a good nickname for me. And, tequila uh, Mill. Yeah, Tequila. We've been, we've been doing that for, yeah, like, I have for te- well, like three seasons now. You're like, I don't have a nickname. And well, every time it's Tequila, tequila Mill. Tequila Mill is really more of a someone thing that comes out of me when I'm like uh, a few shots into some 1800. Uh, but tonight I'm drinking some V, so. And so it is I'm, hitting I'm, me like a truck. I'm Whiskey Mill. But uh, yeah, anyways. So like Larry said, <laughs> uh, all downhill from here. We are doing... Even though we are almost done with our fourth season, we're doing our very first quote-unquote album deep dive. And uh, we're going to be talking about Newfound Glory's fourth studio album, Catalyst, from 2004. Is it turned uh, 17 on Monday or Tuesday? May 18th. So uh, by the time you're hearing this podcast, it'll be a few days old. But May 18th uh, was Tuesday. Was Tuesday, yesterday. and it is currently Wednesday yeah. night. So, um, before we get too into this, I just want to lay out that there are a lot of podcasts and shows that do like quote unquote deep dives. We have our our information, but this is going to be mostly us just discussing and seeing what we talk about while we're bringing up these tracks. Because correct, you can look up the lyrics, you can look up the personnel, and go on Wikipedia or on Genius or YouTube or whatever. And we're going to include our facts, but. I don't want to bore people with this because I think talking about any newfound record, Larry, Steve, and myself will all have plenty of fun things to talk about. So sure. that's a really good way to put that. Because like if we talk about like for we say like, oh, this is a Neil Avron record, and then we we would go off the chain and talk about a bunch of other sick ass Neil right. Avron records. I don't not I don't want to do that. But but like I mean I kinda do because Neil Avron's yeah. the fucking man, but right, but it's better than us just being like this is a Neil Avron record, and then start reading more facts or whatever. Um, so, and also too, I'm excited about doing this one because even though Larry and I are both uh, noted Newfound Glory worshippers, um, 
this is neither of our favorite album. We both like it, but it's not like uh, Sticks and Stones or Self-Titled or Nothing Gold or Resurrection. Sure. Like how, how many studio full lengths do they have? Uh, ten, Nine? Ten, I think. Ten? Ten, pu- ten? Ten, not counting any of the cover records or anything, or live. Yeah, just ten, ten studio full lengths, not live records, nothing. I believe so. It's Nothing Gold is one, Self-Titled, Sticks and Stones, Catalyst, Coming Home, uh, Not Without a Fight is six, uh, Radio Surgery is seven... Resurrections 8, Makes Me Sick is 9, and then the new one, Forever Infinity, whatever, that's 10. Yeah, so 10. So Catalyst ranks number 9 for me on their records. Okay. Well, and and the thing I think, uh, for a lot of people, 9 out of 10 might be really bad, but uh, New Found Glory is also like my second favorite band. I don't really know where I rank it, but uh, maybe we'll find out after we talk about it. No, but like they're also my second favorite band too, so it's kind of a... yeah. I'm, I'm putting my hands at the same level you well, can't see. But. What's incredible to me was, because they're not even one of my... Like, I really like them. They're one of my favorite live bands, but, like, they're, they're not... Like, if you ask me, oh, like, name your five or ten favorite bands. I don't know if Newfound's there for me. Sure, and that's okay. But when you list it out, that whole discography of full lengths, I'm like, damn, they got the catalog to back it up. They got the fucking catalog to back it up. And I'm not saying that it's number nine on my list of nfg records because it's not a good record because it's a great fucking record all the, my least favorite nfg record is a good record you just prefer the um, other ones i just like the other ones better well i think i think what's interesting and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this um as we go through the songs it's there's a lot of great songs on this record but it's weird Absolutely. it's weird as an album like it's 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 uh not that it doesn't flow or isn't structured it's just like it feels like they said we don't give a fuck about writing this as one piece of music. We're just going to write songs. That could be, and, yeah. And with the other, the, especially the because I mean, it doesn't really flow terribly well. No, no, it's it. But like the thing is, when you listen to like a um, like Sticks and Stones, for example, it's like fucking right off the bat. It's like an understatement. Yep, that's an opening track. My friends over you goes perfect after it. Sunny, yeah, it's a good cool down before you know. Like it, it, it works perfect. And then even you go into stuff like Resurrection, you're like, holy shit, this is. Amazing how it's structured. Resurrection is kind of just go, 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 go the whole time. I have a couple of like mid-tempo and like halftime stuff like Angel and uh, whatever. Yeah, but, but th- those mid-tempo and halftime songs fucking got slams in them. Yeah, they're good. They're real good. Um, but this album's interesting too because, Larry, you had already been going to see Newfound when this came out. Oh, um, at this point when I saw them on like the, f- the first time I saw them on this album cycle was probably like my fifth or sixth time seeing them so like for me you know at this time i know who newfound glory is i like them because i'm I'm blink's my favorite band i'm into pop punk but i don't think i hadn't seen them yet you know and i don't think that i um i might (laughs) i might have a different perspective because with the album because it was like um you had already known them so well seeing them live and and playing guitar and but they were also like in a transitional period at this point because like this record came out in 2004 in in 2004 um stuff was really shifting yeah um music was darker music was heavier like story of the year under oath bands like that that's what was really big that's what was like in the forefront so this record you can really hear that them trying to adapt to that well, I think if you look at like they're right, they started recording this in '03. I think fall of '03. It says sure. So they were probably writing a little bit before that. So it's it's probably a hybrid of like you said. Even if you don't go super heavy, it's like um, 
Thrice and uh, Finch and like these kind of bands are putting out these records that aren't so far away from like the you know they're playing Warp Tour and stuff, but they're dark. Right, right, right. Um, but Newfound also had just done. If you look at their track record, okay, so they start in '97 and they do an EP. From 99 to 04, they put out four studio albums and a cover record. In five years, they put out five releases. And and those five years, they were on tour the entire time. Yeah. So They're the hardest working band in music. Definitely. Even still. And, and the thing is, it's like they do these three amazing pop punk records. Yeah. And then... Quintessential, the most important pop punk records. And then you look at their contemporaries and it's like... Blink had already shifted in 03 and puts out their untitled record, which is, you know, they're kind of like, okay, we're doing this. but Which really, I think, is not solely responsible for the big shift for these poppy bands starting to adapt to darker stuff, but it definitely fucking well, helps push. I mean, I agree with you, but I think Blink was so far... They're, they're ahead of... they You know, they... Were, yeah, they're Blink. Yeah, but but after that, it's like... 2001, Sum 41's blowing up. 2002, it's like Simple Plan. Uh, Newfound Glory got really big in 2002. They're already big, kind of. And then Good Charlotte gets fucking massive. So it's like, there's all these like contemporaries of Newfound who they seem to be friends with. But I think going into the first track on the song, they really were like, look, if you think we're a fad or a trend or whatever, like, fuck you. Yeah, that's literally the intro track, which is called Intro. I, lo- but yeah, I love just, the that, song. <laughs> I remember when I I took the day off of school, the day Catalyst came out. I was, I think, a freshman or sophomore in high school. What year was it? 14? Oh, it was May of 04. I was a sophomore in high school. I was, I took a, the day. I was 11 turning 12, so you were probably 16 going on 17. Um, I took the day off school. We went to uh, me and my... Uh, Caleb actually, me and Caleb took the. We skipped school. Um, we went to Best Buy, and they had one left. They had one copy, Damn. and we're like, "Fuck, what do we do?" And he's like, "Well, you get it," and I'm like, "We both have to get it." Fuck it, let's go to Target, and we went to Target, and they and they had a bunch, so we each got one there. But because I we we couldn't leave there with just one copy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of also gives people perspective that in 2004, not only was Newfound very, um, I guess, you know, big and that kind of music was big, but people were buying CDs. Yeah, I I went to a huge electronics store the day a record came out to buy the CD and they were fucking gone. And you skipped school, so like most kids didn't even go get it yet. Right, this was at like 10 in the morning. So people who were probably in college or out of high school working. I'd be I'd be losing my shit if like one of my favorite artists dropped dropped an album and like on release day I could, I wouldn't be able to hear it. Well, also a big thing for me dur- during this time and like years prior on release day, um the only thing that was open 24 hours was Walmart. So you go to Walmart at the stroke of midnight and they put it out and you get it right then. Yeah, but they didn't carry I used to do that a lot. Uh... No, but I remember on September 16th, 2003, so like just not super long before this, it was the day before my 16th or 15th birthday, um, I went to Walmart because MXPX had released an album, and that same day, Wore All the Time and a Saves the Day record came out, and I bought all three. Damn. That, that was a big fucking day oh, yeah. for music. 
So it's it's like, a worse save today record though. It doesn't count. If you look at like <laughs> kind of the the state of like music though, like you we were saying, it's interesting that they kind of wrote this song because again, it doesn't seem like they, it seems like Newfound to this day are pretty cool with a lot of their. Um, not just contemporaries, but they're always taking new pop punk bands on tour before, like helping them get big. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, like they fucking on um, Sticks and Stones tenure. They took fucking Seaway and Story So Far before they were. Story So Far was they weren't big. They, yet. they, they did. They did have a lot of like hype under the belt at this point. They weren't. They weren't what they became, but they were still. They uh, had a lot of traction at that point. I would argue that though, like it still was like helped them. Sure, and like on a uh, fucking self-titled tenure, they took fucking fireworks with them. Yeah, I mean, and Hello Goodbye, and Hello Goodbye had already been a band for a, a very long time at that point. They were a band for a long time, but like, I mean, I'm sure that was good crowds for them. Those were like House of Blues shows. Did you go to that? No, because I had to go to a funeral. Oh, oh, bummer. Sky Point. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so yeah, so going into this intro track, uh, obviously it's something that they. I, I wouldn't say they play it every show, but it, they play it more often than not, it seems like. Yeah, sorry I, I went on that long rant while talking about the intro. No, you're fine. Um, that's what this was for. Uh, the intro track, I've seen them open with it. I've seen them like play it uh, as an encore into uh, All Downhill From Here, which is the following track we'll get into. But um, there's not a whole lot to say about it, but you know, the, the whole, it's more than a t-shirt, it's more than a tattoo like line. It's kind of like... It's funny how even this early in the career, because maybe of how bombastic Warp Tour was, like all these bands were playing on Jimmy Kimmel and shit. Um, yeah, it's like they were probably like, "Look, like, you know, don't fucking don't don't take this for granted, and don't just use it as a fashion statement or as a trend." And I I appreciate that song still because you still see kids doing that shit. It's a true. It's a very common and frustrating thing when it feels like someone's taking advantage of shit that you really care about that's it's more than t-shirt it's more than a tattoo i am wearing a dookie t-shirt and this is my dookie tattoo there you go <laughs> but you're wearing but, that shit because it means more to you no but then the one of the next lines is it's how i was raised and hi yeah i'm a big fan of them uh opening the record this way because I think it kind of also oh for sure it also shows that they're very like they're still very much the same band. You see a band, yeah because you hear that and like oh these guys this used to be a fucking hardcore band. Yeah, well you hear when you see bands get commercial success and they put out a, another record, it's like well what what do we expect? You know what I mean? No, and and right away it's a fucking forty second ripper and they're just like go 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 fuck you! Yeah. It's so sick. What a great way to open an album, mm-hmm. especially in the in the. The commercial timeline in that context of where they were, that was uh, it was kind of just like a big fuck you to the whole industry. It was very cool. It was very punk rock, actually. Newfound Glory is pretty good at um, picking album openers, and they uh, don't have a bad. They have actually like all of the best album openers are theirs besides Dumpweed. Yeah, I mean they they have some really good ones, and that one. I don't want to say it sets the tone for the album in a way that it's like uh, it sets the tone for the sound, but it sets the tone for the mindset. I feel like yeah, and the the overall like energy of the band. It definitely sets a tone for the energy for sure. Because like 
you know, not, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about the sound as we get through some of these, but it's very much like, we're going to do what the hell we want. Uh, it's what we've always done. We didn't do this because it was popular. We busted our ass and happened to get success and that's great. But hell you know, yeah, people remember, uh, newfound glory, even if who aren't fans for how big they were, but a lot of people don't know that they were technically like Chad's side project. Sure. Sure. So, um, a lot of people remember them because of their big singles. Um, which one of the next songs is a huge one. Is that their biggest single, technically? I know that My Friends Over You is a huge fucking song, but is All Downhill From Here, was that a bigger song? So I think My Friends Over You sold more, technically. Sure. Because that album went platinum, finally. I'm checking which one has more plays on Spotify, because I feel like that actually holds a lot of water. My Friends Over You might, because it's probably in more playlists, because it has... A- oh my god, but like substantially more like way way yeah one's one's 24 million one is 92 million but you have to keep in mind like that's a huge fucking cap but you have to keep in mind like my friends over you is like if you know like five pop punk songs from the 90s that's one of them thousands it's like that with like a blink song a green day song you know whatever but no like if you know you blah 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 if you if you ask a a normie or whatever i don't like saying that but that who how else do you say it I'm like, name three pop punk songs. Like, oh, Basket Case. Um, all the small things. What's My Age Again? Yeah. And they would say all the small things for sure. And actually, they'd probably say the middle by Jimmy Eat World, honestly. Well, but but the thing is, but. too, like, Newfound Glory, to keep in mind, too, 2002 was still TRL was very hot. Like, 04 was still there, but, like, 2002. But it wasn't what it was in 02. No, because 02 was still... Like, NSYNC was about to break up, but they were still kind of playing NSYNC. Britney Spears was still huge. Um, Eminem was running the show. So it was like people... The who, Eminem show. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, On point. Yeah, it was fucking... <laughs> I just laid that up for you. Um, but that, Thank you, that, thank you. That was like a um, a time where a lot of people who wouldn't have ever like went to Warp Tour or listened to like a quote-unquote punk band or a band even, you know? They yeah. like I like my cousin who her favorite group is in sync and she loves Justin Timberlake and New Kids. She knows my friends over you. Like it was playing one time and she's like, sure. she's like, oh, I remember when that was on TRL all the time. That's a good song. And I'm like, yeah. But all downhill from here also gets a lot of that reaction. I I remember um, definitely. You know, being in school, I was in a uh, I was on the school newspaper when I was in high school, and. We, I just like had my iPod on shuffle, and we had like a room. It was like a lab. With God, this... I miss having an iPod. Yeah, right. Uh, it was like a computer lab, you know. Sure. And we would just type, and it, I had one where it was like a, a basically a study hall for that, and we did whatever we want. The teacher didn't care if we ate or whatever. So we were eating food and playing music, and that came on. And this kid that I was in there with, who wasn't into any of that kind of music at all, was like, "Oh, I remember when this came out. That's a good song for all downhill from here." And I'm like. That's the kind of reaction that song still gets uh, for people from our age bracket. Uh, and when they play it live, it's one of the biggest songs of the night every time. They all they close with it a lot, yeah. Often they've been they, they, uh, actually for the last couple of years they've been opening with it. I've seen them, which is also like for them that's a good ass move. That's smart to open with that because you're gonna get people who are there because they know three of your songs and they're gonna be fucking stoked the whole night because of that you know what's funny is i saw them uh close with it the the third night that we went to the the 20 year tour they played catalyst and nothing gold can stay and they closed with all downhill from here as their like encore sure sure and then the next show i went to the next time they came 
they opened with it. So I saw that was the two in a row. I saw them play it. I really like that when they did that, they didn't just play an album and then play the album. Yeah, like they mixed, played, made a they set. They played a, a set of two albums mixed together. And I thought that was really... And I didn't know that's really how what was going to go down. I have that set list here still. It says they, they opened intro Truth to, Truth of My Youth. And then it's a Telltale Heart, which is like really, really sick. Um... All downhill. Oh, dude, my God, when they played Telltale Heart, I think that was only my second time ever seeing them play that song. It was like my 15th time seeing them, and I lost my fucking mind. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing gold stuff went off. That's another pod, though. Um, so, oh, yeah, yeah, All Downhill is. from here, um, even though it's a big single, it's still a song that comes on. I still really enjoy it. it. It definitely starts to show where it's one of the songs on this album where they have their sound their newfound glory sound but it's like has a darker less major chord sheen to it you know just like slightly off kilter the the songwriting is definitely on the darker side i remember when it came out i was like learning the riffs i was like oh these are almost like like alkaline trio minor key riffs like this is wild (laughs) yeah alkaline trio afi stuff like that and just a, d- a dark and, overtone all around. And the production, it's it's, it's interesting because they work with Neil Avron on the previous two records. The you know the, they have the clean guitars going in there. They have some of the flange kind of like you could tell like stuff that they Chad kind of does nowadays, but like they wouldn't really do live back then. Sure. Um, the video was real weird and wild and kind of matched their artwork. The video was weird. Shout out Gunner. Yeah, Gunner did like the the illustrations and then like they kind of. I wonder if I can hit up Gunner to make the mat for this episode. That would be fucking really cool. <laughs> uh, and they like worked <laughs> out that. Cost a million dollars. They worked out that video and like Chad comes out with the shaved head and the polo. Like that was. Bald ass fucking. He was wearing a wife beater in that video. Was he? Yeah, I think so. The Chad with the polo that was coming home, Chad. No, he was wearing polos on these videos. He definitely wore in the failures, not flattering one. Oh, you're with like the checkered collar, yeah. Um, but I think in this video he was wearing a straight wife beater with like dog tags with a bald ass head. Uh, he looked like he was in fucking hate. Can I, I know. Can I just add on the topic? Yeah, of, of please. This song. I absolutely adore this chorus. Larry, oh, you're yeah. right. He's the only fucking guy not wearing a polo though. <laughs> <laughs> Like new, new newfound polo, <laughs> newfound polo, mm. newfound wife beater and bald ass head looking fucking like a a guy who cooks meth and listens to Kid Rock. Respect. <laughs> Which is funny because Chad's like super straight edge. Also, one like one completely unrelated side tangent. Uh, as of Monday night, I am. It is 100 percent confirmed that for Halloween I'm going to be 1999 era Kid Rock. Oh my and God. I'm going to wear uh, just a wife beater. Like a, I'm going to get a red fedora with a feather and the wig. And I'm going to get that the fake Paul tattoo on my arm and shit. It's going to be fucking nuts. A lot of people are going to think you're dressing up as their dad. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, yeah, it's me, man. What's up? He's not going to think you're in costume. Fucking, if that's the case, then absolutely. I can fucking ride that train for a minute. Camera Hell flash. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, any, like I listened to the album a bunch when we learned about doing this and i love the chorus of this song me too very much it's so good and obviously when you hear it like like yeah of course it's good but i just just take a minute to just appreciate like they they completely killed it i like in the second half that chad kind of throws that clean like guitar noodle mm-hmm. yeah, it's like yeah, kinda, oh, very much kind of cool you know like they didn't do a lot of um, before even i appreciate this more now because i'm more into like engineering and production and stuff but even then just the beginning it starts with that that fill yeah that snare sound is 
ridiculously good. Oh, yeah. And like, I feel like I will be struggling my whole life to make that happen for myself. Well, it's interesting about this album is while it sounds consistent enough um, in the mixing and mastering, the tones are like kind of more per song with the drums and guitars. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of like breaks where it's just a clean guitar, like no news is good news and stuff. And like whatever, it'll be a random little clean thing. And those... Those tones only appear for those couple seconds on this record, right? And that's um, almost we'll get to stressful. We'll get to a song where I'll talk about this more. But sometimes it sounds like you know on those two channel mesas, it sounds like they go from the modern to not the clean channel, but to like the vintage. Yeah, so it's like gainy, but not like fucking bottoming out the low end. Yeah, so that's just kind of like like. Uh, you know, I'll probably talk about like "Truth of My Youth" coming up, but that like in the kind of dun dun dun, it's not like super heavy. But then the choruses, yeah. it makes it. It's almost like a, a pop trick where the choruses sound that much bigger. Then, yeah, you add a bunch of those low frequencies to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, do you guys have anything else to add to to this particular track? Um, it's it was definitely the a hundred percent best choice for the first single for this album cycle. Agreed. For fucking sure, because like it starts off kind of hard hitting and rhythmic and like that bam ba na 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 na. It's like I mean, it's like it's still a pop punk riff, but it's in a minor key. It's got that tight rhythmic like riff riff bass kind of thing to it. Um, so it's kind of showing them everyone like hair like we're a little darker now. We are a little more slammy, but here's this chorus. We're still fucking us. It was a really good way to show everyone what they were doing I, I, currently, like who they were at the time. I think, uh, and I'll add to that, I agree. I think even though it's not my absolute favorite song on the album, it might be one of, if not the best written songs on the album. It's it's their best written single, period. I mean, it's it's up there. Um, it's one of my least favorite singles of theirs. It's it's like how I feel about, you know, like, what's my age again? Because I've just, it's been played into the ground. But it's been played into the ground because it's a great fucking song. There you go. Steve, you got anything to add to that? Uh, love it. I think it's great in the track list. I think it, it serves its purpose very well. Great song. Word. The sequencing, the, the, the first, front, like the front half of this record, the sequencing, is fantastic. And really, uh, more times than not, NFG's record's sequencing, the back half is really like the good, the good pocket. I think for this one, the first four roll off of each other perfectly. And I think it falls off a little too much by the time we get to track five. But we can discuss when we get there. Oh, yeah, you're man, fuck track five. Well, I have, I have, uh, I have, uh, you know, thoughts about this, but I'll just say one into two, I mean, you can't really beat that. It's perfect. You can't. And, and, and into three and into four, honestly, like, that's, that's good points. Like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So three. Because ever. Um, you, you. Sorry, go ahead. You're gonna say, say three. Well, if you guys want to move on to that one, mm-hmm. um, and three has the same, the same tonal heart and outline, and like I guess this is gonna sound stupid, but like the same aesthetic paint as track two. I see it because it starts heavy, slamming, dark. Well, these songs are a lot, but it more... has that upbeat, like yeah, it's a lot bombastic more... chorus. These these songs are a lot more riff based. So For I, sure. this is their their riffiest stuff besides resurrection. So yeah, so I feel like the reason it doesn't have as much of a majory sound isn't like not that it's not by design, but to me in my in my opinion from playing guitar, if I pick up my guitar and I kind of start noodling, the riff is going to determine the chord progression if I write a riff. 
Whereas the sure. older newfound songs, they're based in those like poppy chord progressions. You know what I mean? When you pick up a guitar and you're writing, do you start with a chord progression or, or do you start with a riff more times than not? Uh, it depends if I'm singing or not. Like if I have a vocal melody, I usually try to determine a chord progression. I start with a chord progression a hundred percent of the time. See, like if I'm writing, like like um like it depends on what I'm writing too. Like Stolaway is uh, riff based usually, but. Oh, oh sure. Um, but like, if I'm writing like a riff, and then it's kind of like, okay, here's my kind of tonic note. You could kind of put a progression around it. But if you're kind of writing like pop punk, and you go, okay, let's do this kind of you know D A B G type of poppy major chord progression, and then you kind of start messing with the rhythms, that kind of determines like that's like a lot of the earlier newfound stuff. Not in a bad way. But it's like, but yes, yes. But it seems like this has a darker overtone. But it it might be because Chad was just like coming up with riffs, riffing. Yeah. So and when and when a guy like that is riffing and not writing, not being a songwriter, like I'm holding doing finger yeah. quotes, but like being a songwriter and using chords, and he's just straight riffing. That's a fucking. That's a hardcore guy riffing, and those those riffs are gonna be dark and mean. Yeah. So this this does that's just to- that's just who he is. Just to note, this disaster is uh, was recorded, and it's one of the songs that was recorded in D standard. Uh, but what's really funny is if you watch, is it really? Yeah, but if you watch his, uh, and I knew that back in the day, but if you watch his riff Wednesday now, he tried to teach it, and he goes, you know, I'm just gonna teach you in drop D because we just figured out how to do that, so we don't have to have that guitar live. He just figured out how to do that. No, no this no. album is 20 years old. No, 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 no. He goes, when we wrote the record and we started playing it, we just said, fuck it, we'll just figure it out and drop D in 2004. And he goes, they've been playing it and drop D live forever. They oh, they just recorded okay, it in D standard. So he goes, I'm going to have to teach you guys how we play it live. I I, I have to stop watch, watching Riff Wednesdays. Because when I see him, and he's like he's like counting his frets one by one and talking. And I'm like, oh, dude, like you're not. Like, you don't know what you're doing. And it, like it bums me out. I mean... I think that comes with like uh, um, playing a certain amount of times. Like when I teach stolaway songs, because we've had like a thousand band members. When I teach somebody a stolaway song on guitar, like I don't automatically know like what fret I'm playing. I just like like some songs, like Casualty. Like I've played, I don't fucking know, forty times plus live and practice a thousand times and recorded so it's like think about newfound glory who's played certain songs like a billion times sure i'm just like just throwing that out there like i i don't think no i get i get i get that for sure i get that it's just it's crazy to see like one of my heroes guitar wise do that i'm like oh like dude do i know more about guitar than you like why are you doing that it's it's a bummer i mean that's fair. I think like uh, just the idea of them recording it a full step down and then just saying "fuck it" because we play everything that's in drop in D and drop D. That's just like a funny band thing that like every band does. Yeah, true. Um, this song uh, is the namesake for the live DVD. This disaster. Yeah, the power goes out. And I really like how that DVD sounds. I love that DVD, and it really pisses me off that they never did like a CD of that show fair because the mix is really heavy the mix of that is crazy heavy um so that's just something to point out uh um really um 
I feel like in modern day stuff, when people talk about newfound glory and like online content, Steve Klein doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, Steve's Steve Klein's guitar tone during this era of newfound glory and the way he played was so ballsy and huge and awesome. Like Steve Klein's guitar work. Actually, he wrote all their lyrics too, but like, that's not what I'm talking about. The way Steve Klein played guitar and the way he's made his guitar sound in a live situation during this album cycle was really, really, really important to this record itself and the way the, this record sounds and the songwriting. It was really cool. Yeah, I think having him play with a, just the EMG and how compressed it is and how hot. Um, yeah, just super tight, kinda, super hot, super clear, tighten, a lot of balls. It tightens up that rhythm section because Chad, Chad plays... Um, a lot more like I'm not saying like me, but like the idea that I use where it's like, uh, you know, you like a pickup that's passive. So if you're picking lighter, it'll kind of reflect that there's more like articulation in the pickup. So I think it gives it a nice like blend live of his stock and then the, the EMG. Um, Chad and Steve's guitar playing is similar enough, but different enough, almost in the exact same way that the way my guitar playing and your guitar playing are. I feel like you're a lot more Chad and I'm a lot more Steve. I mean, that's fair. I mean, like I I think cuz you're you're much a much better riffer and shredder. Not, for I'm, fucking sure. I'm not much of a shredder, but I appreciate I'm that. I'm not a shredder at all, but as far as like tight rhythmic shit goes, like I'm I'm very confident in saying that like that's where I'm I'm strong. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you're a very tight rhythm player. I mean, thank you. Like I could say that cuz I've seen you play live a thousand times. I'm like you know, like, I've I will never be a, a lead guitarist ever in my life just because I've I've built up these these habits where like my hands only know how to do what they know how to do at this point. Like I can't I can't change. I've been playing guitar for twenty years. This is where I am. Yeah, I mean, I but know. I'm more than fine with it because it's like, oh hey, I can play tight rhythmic punk rock and I can play it well. Fuck it, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I just try to learn stuff, and then when I realize I'm not doing it right, and I figure it out the wrong way, and then I'm like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> I just tried to uh, learn the finger pick part in The Heart of Life by John Mayer like a week ago. Yeah, good luck. I got through the first like four phrases and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play understatement and drink some wine. Yeah, and that's that, exactly that's, what happened. That should be another <laughs> shirt for this podcast is I'm just going to play understatement and drink some wine because that's pretty much what we do here. Uh, but yeah, just like this song, you know, you guys throw out any comments. I'll just say it's a, it's, it's a cool it's a cool song. Uh, yeah, it's a cool, it's a great riff. song. Uh, there's some really cool drum fills in this song. But fuck that guy at the show where they asked you could say, oh, you could pick any song that's not on our set list. And he picked oh, the fucking- Tiger's Jaw and Yellow Card show. Yeah. The guy with the big curly hair, yeah. that skinny and guy. Fucking- dude, skinny guy, if you're fucking hearing this, dude, fuck you. He's like, hey, man, you can pick any song from our catalog you want. That's what you fucking picked, you dumb like, son of like, a bitch. It's a, fuck it's you, a dude. Cool, get out of that show. It's a cool song. I was song. so angry. It's a cool song, but like, it's probably like right in the middle of the road or towards God, the God, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's like, it's like because I was sitting there like, I didn't really want, like, I don't want to go up on stage and dance around. But, oh, I fucking would have. I'm like, hey, can I play guitar, like, please? Well, yeah, <laughs> that would be different. But like, can we play Truck Stop Blues even though you played it already? Yeah, but like, I went to the night because there's two nights and they didn't play Sunny on our night, and that's like my favorite newfound song. And I was like, oh, I'll just tell them that. And then I was like, no, wait, if I get up there, I'm getting, I'm picking a nothing gold song for sure, just because they never play a bunch of those. Oh, dude, I would have went weird, but like, hey, fucking play Scrape Knees, motherfucker. Yeah, but that song's <laughs> not that good. <laughs> yeah, but still, I'd be like, ha ha. 
I do. I do. I knew it. Uh, Steve, you want to toss anything out on this before we move on? Uh, yeah, I, I really like this song. I think it, like, again, it's in that block of not the entire A-side, but the opening bit of the record is so well done, and I think this fits in. Definitely. And, and like you said, Larry, it fits the same formula that uh, All Downhill From Here does. I almost called it. Right, almost called it, it really does, I think. Where it's that similar vibe and structure to it. Heavy at the beginning and a big poppy chorus. Exactly, but it, it works, and uh, I really like it. But the, the few times I, I have seen it live, it's gone off every time. Oh, definitely, uh, except for, except for the, the fucking skinny I guy. Think, I think it's... God damn it. I think that is a good live song for them, and I'm sure... Oh, dude, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they usually no, have like it in that, the set. Mm. Like, that riff's fucking slams. It's like, that's like a kill switch riff. Um, uh, so... Moving on to the fourth track. So this is actually my favorite song on the album. Oh, this is one of my favorite New Found Glory songs. Yeah, same. Uh, it's like in my top maybe five. But uh, Truth of My Youth is the fourth track. And granted, this is uh, not tonally how they mixed it, but like the structure of the song in live, it's more cl- it's closer to like a traditional pop punk New Found song. Right. So it's like... The big chords and the heavy bass the and the, the minor the minor falls and it's it's not quite it's a little too slow to be a D beat. It's like it's like the really quick two step beat. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's kinda like more of a gallop but But like live but, no, some, got, but there's got, been got, times where different. they play it so fast live and Cyrus is such a machine that it just feels like a you know, total I sometimes like cause Cyrus has his his like the Cyrus Baluki YouTube channel, yeah. which is like drum camp stuff. Yeah, he, I got I got one recommended today for at least I'm known for something. And and you watch him and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like not like real because he, he never does anything like bonkers and super proggy and technical, but he still does all his super cool stuff. But he is always just go 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 Perfect, go go yeah. super square super on time. That motherfucker is not a human being. No, he's he's just amazing. Um, it is insane. This song I I always. Like since since getting my hands on the album, I've always liked the 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 melody, the guitar work, the the lyrics. I love the melodies in this song. Um, but love them. Something something that I always thought about this song was, had they kind of um, went for like a heavier overall guitar tone, if they didn't have the the intro they did, this could have been like the opening song. Oh my God! Yeah, and if if to the to the where we are now at the record didn't exist, yeah, because we're only it's it's a long fucking record. It was like fifteen, fourteen songs. Fourteen made it, yeah. If those first three tracks did not exist and kind of set this dark, kind of almost guttural, miserable tone for this record, yeah, opener all I, day. I would even say if they didn't write intro, they could have just put this one first over, you know. Yeah, because then, then it ends and just goes But I feel like at this point in their career, it was such a pivotal, like a sonically different thing for them that if they open the record with this, people who aren't like really into music would throw it in and hear this first and they're like, oh, New Found Glory, whatever. And they wouldn't yeah, care. No, no, I get that. I just, and I don't disagree with that. I just think like it's really one, it's weird how they wrote a perfect opening song and it, and it wasn't even the perfect opener for the album. It's like also side note real quick. What a fucking awesome thing that we're talking about in the way that we're covering this. This is a great fucking conversation. I love this. I love y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Love it too, dude. Much love. Um, something that's funny. You can't see it on my on my webcam, but I have a scar on my elbow from moshing during Truth of My Youth at a Warp Tour, 
where like some dude tripped me. Rare. Some dude tripped me and like I like cut my elbow open and I still got up and just kept moshing because I was like a kid and I was just like losing my head. But uh Yeah, you know what happens now if you're moshing and you fall and you cut your elbow, you go to the hospital. Steve Steve like I don't remember what he cut open, but uh it was like we were like grown ass men. It was like twenty seventeen warp tour. And Steve like got it like a, a cut from moshing. He like some like everybody in the pit was like getting bowled over on gravel. Yeah, and we it went, wasn't. It wasn't like. Who were you watching? Okay, so it was stick to your it, guns. It was, I think? it was stick to your guns, and they played that song "No Tolerance" with that just insane two step, and I couldn't help myself. I'm like, all right, bet I'm going in. And uh, I feel that I have those songs. And as soon as it opened up, I didn't get hit. Someone fucking pushed me. And I'm like, this is a hard, like, this is a hardcore band, dude. Like, like dance, like, don't push people. Push my shut up, so, Yeah, And I and I, I completely ate shit, and uh, I scabbed like a big chunk of my elbow and a huge part of like my left knee, and it just it was bleeding all day. Yeah, so he went to like get it like uh, patched up at like the little like first aid thing or whatever. I was literally just like, I literally just I asked them for a band aid, and they're like, oh my god, you gotta come in here. Like they cleaned me off, and they're just like. Uh, just so we know, like, what band did this happen during it? And I was, like, I didn't want to tell them. I'm like, are they going to be held liable? This was my fault. Someone put, like, and they're like, no, no, they're going to be fine. And I was like, oh, stick to your guns. I think they had to, like, that, keep track of That's them. a really, really cool thing for you to do. Well, I, know well, I mean, it wasn't trouble. stick to your guns' band. fault that some guy was right, being no, a I get push that, But, like, I feel like a lot of fucking cockerings are like, oh, it was this fucking band, and my dad is... This guy, and they're going to be in fucking trouble. Like, that was cool. I was going <coughs> well, to lie, but I think the only other band playing was Boston Manor. I didn't, and that's when they were a small band. I did not want them getting Oh, Boston Manor like, needs all the help they can get at that point in their career. So, like, good on uh, you. I think, I think I the, the funny thing, though, is, like, I was, like, 24, maybe, and Steve's, like, 21. So we're not in high school or middle school. Like, we're grown-ass men, and we go home, and my mom's like, what happened to you? You got a big bandit on. He's like, oh, I fell in the parking lot. God, I went to Warp Tour, but uh, <laughs> but the thing that's funny about that is like, yeah, and going tying it back to Newfound is like, which uh, technically I did fall in the parking lot. Well, yeah, you did. Warp Tour is just in a yeah. big fucking parking lot. Newfound, Newfound is one of those bands where like I usually go up front for, even though I don't. Like, oh, absolutely, I don't like doing that anymore, but I still do it for Newfound. But uh, it's <laughs> it's funny because like anytime I see him play at like Warp Tour, especially when I was a little younger, I would like be able to get up front. But I'd be like, oh, I'll head walk towards the end. I'd be like in the pit, and I'm like, why do I decide to mosh when I'm in a fucking big gravel lot? Like, what's wrong with me? To call back just to a second ago to Warp Tour, like, and I don't want to get super off topic, but I remember <coughs> I was at Warp Tour in in 2002. And uh, there was two stages next to each other. So it was like band set up, band play, bands like back, whatever. Yeah, yeah, they go back and forth. Um, so it was like uh, anti-flag, good Charlotte, Thursday, somebody else. And I'm like, I'm not fucking leaving. I'm staying right here. Oh, that's the, that's remember, the best. I, and I'm watching good Charlotte. And it was just like like a month before they dropped their first single from the young and the hopeless so they like they they only had their full their first so they're playing like little things and motivation and uh like like festival song yeah. and shit yeah. and like they're like hey this is a song off our new record and we're like oh shit no one's heard this and then he they're telling everyone to jump up and down like let's break the floor and I'm like we're in a fucking parking lot <laughs> shatter the earth even like I was like fucking thirteen, I'm like break the floor, like dude, I'm like I'm on, on concrete I'm on and underneath the concrete is the core of the earth. 
Like, oh my god. This is not happening. Um uh that's that's ridiculous. Also, uh shout out Good Charlotte. The last time I saw them at Warp Tour was like 2015 or 16, I can't remember what year. Whatever they played. And uh I think 16. And uh what's his name's wife is uh Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. And she was man. fucking on stage. And I'm just like, yo, Princess Fiona, what the fuck is good? Because <laughs> she was. You should have looked at her and be like, yo! Track as fuck. Did the cum hair thing. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, wasn't she in something about Mary? That's the cum hair thing. Yeah, that's the, okay. I was just yeah, I was double checking sure. it was her. That's her. Um, um, I, I was like, I was like, my you said that. And then my brain was like, there was like a Rolodex of fucking 90s rom coms. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to my head. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, so let, uh, let's get that's through. a movie where the guy's looking in the window, and then the old lady, he's like checking her, watching her take her what, shirt she's off. She's got them weird like sizzling pancake boobs. Yeah, it's like the old like, lady with the big like shitty fake tits. Oh, they're weird. They're they're like bags of bread on fire. <laughs> um, so let's get through the next song. Yeah. So all right, and then uh, let, let's let's take a sec yeah. and pee. But. Uh, I don't uh, actually. Actually, uh, the next song I don't give a fuck about. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say two things about. I don't give a fuck about the snow and the music video. I'll, I'll, take th- I'll, 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 I'll say two it. things about. I don't want to know. Uh, you already said there's a video, so okay. I was just mentioning songs that have videos. It was a single. Uh, single. Here's the thing. It's cool that they experimented with strings and orchestra. And sure. It's, it's cool. A, a, like in the grand scheme of just music, it's a fine song. If if this song was on Coming Home, I would probably like it. This if was this, the, this was the song where I kind of like saw the connection. Now I'm like, all right, they're dipping into this now. I just think it came way too early on the record. Fucking a! If this is like track eleven, I'd be like, great. That, that's song. the thing is the structurally, I don't think it fits where it goes. And also, I'll say this: I don't mind them trying to do some like. Uh, you know what's that one band called that sings like "Too Late to Apologize" like that shit. One Republic, One Republic, or like, uh, or like Five for Fighting, like sad shit. But they're so pop punk that even when, Switchfoot, yeah. So when they try to do that, it comes out in a good way, like coming home songs, like you said. Yeah, but, they, if, but if, this if one, this song was on coming home, it would work. But it almost feels like they didn't know that. Like in coming home, they kind of knew, so it like works. Where this one's just kind of like weird. It's like newfound doing someone else's song. I just think right. in the context of listening to an album front to back it yeah it doesn't go here it suffers from where it's at i would i would have rather put sequencing it's wrong i rather put it i rather put over the head below the knees or ending a tragedy here maybe maybe uh we can uh after ending ending a tragedy is almost the same song but it's just dark maybe after this episode we'll post on our on our instagram and stuff whenever we do an album deep dive we should uh all post uh we all have to restructure the track list Ooh, okay. fucking yeah also uh I, I think that album deep dives is something that we're gonna do substantially more often fair enough for sure uh i i would just say um again i don't think it's necessarily a bad song but the reason why i would put maybe one of the other softer songs in this position is because of how it starts compared to the four songs that came before it yeah i'm with you and because it starts with this pretty clean finger picking card. The other ones is dun 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 dun. Right away, all of them. It's like you're falling off the cliff. When I think you need something a little bit more to. to yeah, shit is bonkers, to, man. To bridge the gap. Like if it wasn't. It's a, a good song, but it's sequenced very fucking poorly. If it wasn't an album and it was an EP and it was just those five songs, you'd go, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> right. 
Uh, you guys want to? You guys want to take that quick timeout and uh, let's take a timeout. I feel like this is going to be a two timeout episode because we're th- only at track five. That's okay. So uh, um, we're going to take a timeout. You won't really notice it because of the magic of editing. And uh, you're just going to hear a. But this is a good time for you to pause the podcast and uh, make yourself uh, an adult beverage or uh, use the bathroom or maybe have a sandwich. I'm going to do uh, two out of the three. All right, I'm about to do three out of motherfucking three. Hey, I'm a Christian fuckboy, though. Yeah, no, you're a Christian grunge boy. I'm a Christian grunge boy. I'm like a, a crust punk, where I'm like, yeah, I'm a crust punk, but I still got a Jesus patch on my denim jacket that I dyed black in my mom's bathtub. Okay, you. as soon as this is over, you need to look up the band Head Noise. Will do. They're like um, violently Christian and violently punk. See, Head I just thought of something really dirty. Anyways. Uh, like blowjob noise? <laughs> yeah. Like a bl- like like, blowjob fuzz pedal? <laughs> that's sick. Uh, blowjob big muff. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, uh, so we're going to hit the sixth track, but real quick, two things I wanted to say about this album that I thought about when we took the break. First of all, this album actually is not pressed on vinyl. Um, I believe the singles got like seven inch picture discs, discs at the discs. time, but in 2004, nobody was buying real vinyl like that except for like real ones. Sure. So fucking MCA wasn't going to press it. But um, I really want this record on vinyl, so I hope they do press it. I know there's some kind of contractual shit, and that's why they haven't. Because, you know, Newfound, I mean, shit, they did self-titled. They sold out of 4000 in a day and had to put more up. That's a lot of vinyl. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize, but like 4000 records these days is a lot of records. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is, do you remember at the uh, 20th anniversary shows how they would have like T-shirts with the album art? Yeah. So the first night, I got the um, Sticks and Stones one. Sure. The second night, they didn't sell Coming Home. I probably would have wanted that, too. The second night, I got the self-titled. They didn't sell Not Without a Fight. I love Not Without a Fight. I would have got that, too. Well, the third night, I was really hoping it would be Nothing Gold Can Stay. Excuse me. And uh, they didn't do that. They did Catalyst. So I was like, okay. But it was like a burgundy shirt. And I'm like, fuck it. Like, full color. I'm like, I'll get the Catalyst shirt. Well, they actually had one left. It was the one on display. It was like a medium or small. And I was like, no, nah, it's all right. And then somebody bought it Like while I was asking them. The person behind me was like, yo, I'll, get, I'll take it. So they literally sold out a Catalyst shirts before I could get one. But I was able to get the other two. That's pretty impressive. Absolutely. So I, just, I know that was a long story, but I just wanted to put that into perspective. I'm like, self-titled and, stick to your, and Sticks of Stones for newfound fans are like, those are the big ones. Yeah. So I was like, damn, like they sold out of that shit. Good for them. Uh, I, I did get the hoodie with their high school pictures on the back, though, instead. Very cool. So anyways, uh, yeah. So track six, your biggest mistake. Everyone's told you. Yeah. Uh, heavy song for sure. Um, sequence wise, it, it works minus the dumbass hiccup prior. Um, it is appropriate where it is. I think that this song's interesting for a couple of reasons. It is like heavy and aggressive, like ish. Uh, and Freddie from Madball does like backup vocals, which is really cool. Uh, but it's weird how like the riff has that like it's almost like that French like carnival European like sound like that. Um, I don't know if it's like Phrygian mode. I'm not super good with my uh, music theory. But, no, like, but that- when you say French carnival, like I I. As far as sonically scale wise, I know what you mean. 
it comes back at the end of the record in more full force. Yes. But like like this song, the uh, the idea of this song fits with old newfound. Yes, but like especially, but then you hear the riff that da na 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 na. But like the way that they do it more staccato, it's almost like. Making it fit in with Catalyst. Yes. Instead of like, if it was more like, like that would sound more, you know what I mean? Yes. It almost is like, it's just like the strum pattern makes it more like that weird. So it's kind of cool that they made it fit the record, but it's also kind of like, eh, it's cool. It's not my favorite, but I like it. It's fine. I like the harmonics in the intro. It sounds like Doppelganger. I probably ripped it off from that. You might have. That's okay. But uh, it's a cool song. I mean, I feel like we all feel like, uh, lyrically, I like the song because we all feel like that about Friends sometimes that we... A hundred percent. ...are like, yo, don't do that. <laughs> absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes, I absolutely uh, know what you mean. Not, not with you guys, but, you know, like, people that, like, maybe you were in circles with and then you're kind of like, hey, like, I care about you, but, like, maybe take a step back. And I, I, I'm not a huge lyrics person, and with pop punk, it's super hit or miss. It's, like, either awesome or ah! <laughs> yeah, sorry, didn't mean to make that make that reference, but uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool one. Um, but I, I do I do like that Freddie from Madball is on. That's one of the two songs he's on because uh, I kind of look like him. Uh, I would agree. <laughs> well, I, would agree that, uh, I would agree that lyrically, this one sticks out to me. Uh, lyrically, it sticks out to you. We're on the, your biggest mistake. It's the, your biggest yeah. mistake of your life is buying a Facebook shirt online oh, from yeah, Google. This, this one definitely. Yeah, I, I, I like. The, I like the message. I, I do. Like, I do too. And, and to be honest, this record, I, I I don't really visit for the lyrical content, but this one kind of strikes a chord. Um, something on the Stolaway album, there is a song about like trying to get through to someone and like you just can't no matter what. And uh, I kind of get vibes from like from this song. Sure. Word. So yeah, cool song. I think we can move on. I mean, not much else to say, but uh, it's, it's, on. it's it's uh it's like if I restructured the album, I could probably fit it in a slot, which we'll we'll all post ours. I think we should all do our own and then post it. But uh, um, I think I might like it better. But it comes after such a weird. It's in it's it's actually in between two really weird songs. It is between what is it between? Oh oh my god, you're right because doubtful is. In three, four, minor key, and the minor key it's in. There's like when you when you write a song like this in a minor key, most of the chords are still major. Almost yeah, so all doubtful, the chords in that song are fucking minor chords. So doubtful. First of all, I want to say uh, seventh track doubtful. It's actually like two words doubt and then full yeah. with two L's, not like the the compound but word. I, that's one of my favorite songs on this record. Nice play I, on words. Yeah, it's a play on. It's nice play on words, and I I agree with you, Larry. Um, this is one of those songs where, see, and this is kind of the opposite of like I don't want to know. It's definitely very very weird for like a newfound glory song. But very I love it. very weird. Um, I think the choir that they built with all the backup vocalists makes it have this really cool essence to it. Sure, it's like. You don't hear that. Like, Newfound does, like, those kind of, like, background vocals. Like, even in My Friends Over You, they do, like, the ah shit. Uh, but, like, this is, yeah. like, this is, like, a next level. Yes. Like you said, the time signature gives it... I mean, it's not, like, a totally weird time signature, but it is in pop punk. No. 3-4 in pop punk isn't normal. Right. And, and because you're so not used to it, 
it's still a pop punk song. Um, and I love the hook. I think Jordan. I think Jordan uh, really does a good job, like just killing it on that, that chorus. chorus. Oh yeah, that because really the the only major chords that appear in this song are in the chorus. I I want to tell a quick anecdote. Um, one of my close friends uh, who I played music with for a long time, he had a hard time getting into Newfound when we started hanging out because he wasn't into pop punk growing up. But he got into I got him into like Blink and all that kind of shit when we were like in middle school and early high school. But he had a hard time with Newfound because of how high Jordan's register was. Sure. And I understand, like, uh, like that's kind of how Ashley is with, like, Billy Corgan. Um, I am really not somebody... I usually like a lot of bands whose singers have weird voices. Like, I don't normally care about how their, like, vocals sound. I, I know it sounds weird, but that's not something that normally bothers me. It only bothers me with a couple people. But the the the... Like you said, the uh, minor key kind of stuff they do, as well as some of the down tuning. Jordan is hitting this other register where he sounds. This is the album he sounds like the nasliest on. Yes, but I still think that he shapes the melodies, and because he's able to kind of get up there and hit these notes, and you guys can't see it, but I'm kind of articulating like up, you know, above the lip, the kind of the high low thing you do when you're singing. He's like almost uh, fist pumping. It's like like if you put a pencil in your mouth or a pen like a cross and you mentally think, you know, high up or low above like that's like a vocal trick. Jordan has a high voice anyways, but it really seems like he's shaping the melody here where he's really, you know, how does it feel and he's getting up there. That was off key, sorry. Like, but that chorus is high, dude. Um but this is a really really cool song. Um you know, we could probably sit here and break down all the specifics and, and look up shit, but just, just I think the uh, it's dark. It still has a great Very hook. dark. The songwriting and tonality and, like, just overall sonic, like, landscape of the song, very dark. And Chad's still riffing. Riffing. Very hard, like, metal riffing. Dark metal riffs. But I think going to that kind of, like, when you like look at this disaster... The like the chorus is so pop punk that you forget about it. Yeah, but staying in that halftime, but doing like a darker kind of melodic like vibe, it just transforms the song into something different. So I'm, I'm Definitely. really like I'm with you on this. Uh, Steve, you got anything to add? I'm try- not trying to talk too much. No, I mean I like the song a lot. I love this I song. Also, one of my favorite I songs on say- this record. And and I'll, I'll ask you guys about this, especially Larry, because like um, you know, obviously Steve and I are in double digits for seeing Newfound. You've still seen them more than us, but like we're all we're all in that kind and of. And I've like, only seen them play this song that at that show. Okay, so that's what I was gonna say is this is um, not a, a live staple ever. They've never played this song live except when they played Catalyst in full. So so this is my my thing is like. For for most people who aren't like hardcore newfound fans, they may have seen them. If they've seen them, maybe a couple times, warp tours, or they went to see them. But we're all in double digits, so Absolutely. after you after you hit that double digit mark, you lose track and stuff. But I know for a fact that the only time I ever saw them play the song, like you said, was when they played Catalyst in Full, and it stood out to me when they played it. I was like, wow, this is really cool. That was it my only like time the- I've ever seen them play this song ever. Right, and, and when it, it happened, like and we did that. Bennett, Bennett, I was like, "Oh no, shit! I can't and, believe and again, this." That kind of sure, and again, that, that kind of like French, you know, da na da na da na da na. That like that I, like I, fucking circus music. That like, yeah, that's the thing. I don't I know how to cir- explain it, but like when I go, yeah, but but it works. 
And and so like to me, I think okay, like a thousand them, fucking percent. You know, hit hit or miss. My friends over you, all downhill from here. Like you've seen them play those uh, twenty. Every times show before, right? since I've ever seen but, them. I mean, you've seen them before. Some of those came out. True, but you know what true, I'm saying. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I've though. never not seen them play hit or miss. Yeah, like nobody has except for like anybody who saw them at Cheers in Miami in like '97 or '98. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, and when uh, I was fucking nine, I wasn't there. Exactly. Oh, I do want to say one other thing. I'll add just while we're talking about this. Something that's really cool about Newfound Glory is. Ian's brother, I think he has two brothers. One of Ian's brothers is like the quote unquote band historian. Yeah. And every single show since they started, he gets the set list from them. And when it became a thing on Setlist FM, he uploads all of them. So every single newfound show pretty much ever is documented on Setlist FM back to when they were a local band. So that's one of those bands where you can look back. So I and I do that all... sometimes. I'll go on Setlist FM and look at NFG shows that I was at back in the day. Yeah, and you're like, Whoa. and I see the set list, and I was like, I saw that. Oh right? man, so like, I, I wish actually, I could see that again. So like, I have all the stolaway set lists saved, mm-hmm. just because like it's something that not like a big deal, like newfound, but it, it's intriguing to me. No, it's a big. Uh, it's just as big of a deal. Yeah, of course. But uh, uh, so that's that's kind of cool. Uh, well, we stolaway loves you. Um, y'all fucking yes. better. And I love <laughs> stolaway too. Because um, stolaway so, is, is it's y'all right. Sto- yeah, so you know what's funny is Stolaway is, uh, I'll just say this while we're talking about this. Uh, I always just said, because we're like a metalcore, melodic hardcore band, whatever you want to call us, I always wanted to be that genre, but exactly modeled after Newfound Glory. You nail it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just write great songs. We'll, we love all our songs. We'll play any of them. We're energetic. We want to play. So, and, and I feel like this album kind of cemented that for Newfound Glory. It's like, hey, like, you now we're gonna add songs into our live set, and you'll know. Oh, that's not from self-titled. That's not from Sticks and Stones. You know what I mean? Like sure. the first three albums. If you're not like a hardcore fan, you're you not might gonna not know what the fuck it is. Yeah, because live it's all the same tones. You're not gonna be able. But to, like know. if you're if you're on an NFG show and the only thing you know is Sticks and Stones, and they play that disaster intro riff, you're gonna be like, uh, I feel like I'm at a Marilyn Manson show. I've seen Marilyn Manson. Really? Yeah, because I went to see Pumpkins and they were on tour together. You've seen Marilyn up. Manson live? What was, was it like? It was fucked up. Uh, it was like fucked a up. <laughs> like a, so I'll say this real quick, not to get too off topic, but that's what we do. So off topic right so now. So this was like 20, 2015. It was like in the like August or something. So like late summer. So I go, me and Steve went and uh, it was at Northerly Island, but they didn't have a pit. They had like seats. Yeah. So we're like 10th or 11th row, which is really good for that. Yeah, Absolutely. Know? And uh, fucking, I'm in there with like a, you know, baseball cap, my long hair back then. I have like a t-shirt and jeans on, Steve, same thing. Everybody who's there for pumpkins, because this is before the reunion shit, so it wasn't all these weird like sandal wearing white people. Sure. So like, it was like baseball caps, t-shirts, band shirts, jeans, and then you knew Probably everybody Probably like misfit shirts. Yeah, or whatever, you know. And There's then still everybody- the one dude in the nails long sleeve though. Always, and then the fucking everybody who's there for Marilyn Manson has like they're in full drag. They have fishnets and tutus on, like more eyeliner than you should ever wear. And I was just like, I'm about this. It's remember, a freak show. Remember, but then they started. Though, uh, I would. I just want to add to my last point. From like 2013 to 2016, you could not go to a single show, no matter outside how hot it was, how cold. There was it a was. nail shirt. 
Yeah. No, specifically a nails long sleeve. You couldn't go to a fucking park in 2017 and not see a nails long sleeve. 2017 is to nails as the last every year besides 2017 has been to knock loose. I feel like I feel like in 2017, what they was that when they put out "You're Not One of Us" or whatever. It was whatever the year nails was fucking super huge. Well, they it was well, like the, just that that little window. This is like before that though. Yeah, like when they had uh, not on Silent Death, the one after that, the red cover. Uh, anyways, though, yeah, my sorry. point being, I'm about, I'm no, about, but uh, like, dude, my, I didn't, I don't even fucking like nails, man. But you know, you know, it's funny. I want though, to, like, because like, like everyone in the world likes them, and I've listened to everything they've done. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this. This is boring. Uh, when when I went to that show at Northern Island, we like they had like it where where they had those trolleys that would take you from the parking lot to the show for free. Absolutely. So I got on, and there's this chick, and she's like, "Hey, you're the dude from Clark Street Sports." And I was like, yeah. And I was like, how'd you recognize me? And then I walked into the show and then I looked and I was like, oh, because I'm the only one here not in the fucking Halloween costume. Like, Someone recognized you from your job at a pumpkin show? Yeah. How on brand? I know. Oh, I had a <laughs> Cubs hat on probably so. But you know what's really funny is uh, though, like Marilyn Manson came on and I'm like, I only know like his big like hits because I'm not like into him. Like the and Dope like, Show oh. and the Beautiful People and... Yeah, Dope Show is cool. You know, dope Show is cool. Like all the Barrel Manson songs that I know, which probably are honestly are all singles. They're, yeah, they're all cool. sick. And then the rest of them I are like I feel like weird. I should listen to all Marilyn Manson. I feel like I'd like but, it. But he was like... Uh, he's, like, like hella, he's like hella canceled now. Absolutely. So I'm not gonna listen to you because you're a piece but of shit. He was like doing the shit where he has the also Sky like, Point you know, saves the day. Yeah, he's well, like let's, yeah. let's, let's let's refrain yeah. from let's refrain from opening any cans of worms and just say yeah. Well, everything we'll get that back happened, that. everything that happened sucks. We'll get back to that. Uh, this I is like wanna, the this is like the hardest one for me ever though. I I, I just want to say though with Marilyn <sighs> Manson, he's doing his whole like pulpit Bible burning like thing. But it yeah, was funny because because they went on first. So pump and it was summer. So like like before pumpkins, I mean first. So like it's daytime and they're trying to do all these theatrics and you can't see any of it because it's too bright out on the lake. <laughs> I was like, what am I watching? I feel uh, that. I was like, okay, whatever. Also, yeah, so- not, one one more unrelated side thing, real quick. So what within the last what week? Riot Fest put out everyone else who's playing since like people dropped and like. They put out the rest of the lineup or whatever. Uh, did you do you feel like a bunch of stuff is missing? I don't know. I'm mad at Riot Fest because they uh, they banned CM Punk. Yeah, the fuck's that all about? What did he do? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I don't. He didn't do anything like cancel worthy. Like couldn't, it couldn't have been belligerence. The dude's straight edge. Yeah, no, like he's like a good dude, and he's like married and stuff. But they were just like talking shit to him today on Twitter, and I don't know if it's a joke, but it's been going on for years. And I'm just like, uh, dude, like he's Chicago's own, and you're just like, you can't come to our festival, and like, this uh, fucking I mean, dude. he he is he's not, he is from Chicago, but he's not Chicago's own. That's what I mean by Chic- he's Chicago's own. No, but like, he's and w- when you're talking about r- riot fest culture, punk rock, Chicago's own is Maskeba. No, 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 but what and I'm saying is like, alone. okay, but but like CM Punk would probably be in one of those bands if he wasn't a wrestler. Like he's friends with Chad Gilbert, he's friends with Terror. Sure, yeah, he'd probably be he's in a band that Toby we would Morris. probably be fucking breaking down one of the records. Uh, uh, when when he snuck in, even though he was banned, and was on stage with Rancid, hanging out with them. Like he's just a punk dude. And I was why just did like, he get banned? 
I, I don't know. And I couldn't find it. I kept looking up articles. He and they had to have done it. something. I think they just got mad at like a wrestling promo or some bullshit. Like it's fake, dude. Like I love wrestling, but it's like it's scripted. Maybe it's a work. See, it could be a work. CM Punk literally, well, actually, he did do shit that wasn't scripted and like got in trouble for it. But it wasn't like he got in trouble because what he said was bad. He got in trouble because he broke the fourth wall on TV. That's Punk. Yeah, he's awesome. He literally went on stage one time and they had to cut his mic off after a while. I saw was... him at Native Foods. Dude, I would love to meet him. Steve, I didn't talk to All him, right. but I did see him there. Here's a here. Well, you didn't see John Cena because you can't see him, and he's on tour with Blink. Uh, here, I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it back up into Newfound. Please when we do. went to the Sticks and Stones 10-year tour, uh, Steve had a CM Punk shirt on, and Chad Gilbert was like, yo, that's his real name's Phil Brooks, CM Punk. And Chad <laughs> was like, lame. and he was like, yo, he was like, yo, Phil. And Steve Steve was like, Chad's like, hey, come here. And he took a selfie with just Chad Gilbert and Steve, who's like fucking, I don't know, 16. Yeah, and I saw that picture, and Steve's in fucking like sixth grade. And, and, and he's still he te- taller than me. And, and, and he texted. He's like Chad's height. Yeah, and he texted it to fucking CM Punk. He's like, yeah, this dude I just met at the show has got your shirt on. That's cool, man. I was just like, what the fuck? No, but so, I, saw, yeah, I, I was at Native Foods one time and I was getting a quinoa bowl. And he was there because he lived right down the street. Yeah. And uh, there was a bunch of like dudes, like punk rock dudes there who were like stoked. And I'm like, why are y'all stoked about this big guy? My punk rock punk rock dudes stoked about a big guy. That guy's probably a wrestler. Oh yeah. So well, I, he's I asked even, one of my friends because one of my friends worked there, and I'm like, "Who's that guy?" I'm like, "Oh, that's CM Punk." And I'm like, "Oh, I've heard of him. That's cool." Yeah, and like, that's he the whole thing. I don't give a fuck. He was like an indie wrestler, which means like uh, it's basically a DIY thing. Sure. Like he was not like on TV or anything. It's punk. Like, and he made his way to the top, and he was literally, like, the best wrestler in the world, but the company didn't like him because, it, like, you know, he had the tattoos, and he wasn't, sure. like, traditional. He was a punk guy. And, this is and his name. When he beat John Cena for the title, they had it at they had it at Allstate Arena. So, like, even though John Cena's, like, the good guy that everybody, like, you know, normally, like, would, well, not everybody, but people want to win... The crowd's so hot, and you know how Allstate Arena is? It's super loud because of the wood ceiling, and people have banners over the sides. Like, if CM Punk loses, we riot and shit. It was, like, crazy. That's right. going to be ten That's gonna be ten years next month. Yeah, I'll send it. Blair, I'll send that to you. Just, yeah. like, it just like him, just his entrance. Oh. He comes out to kill switch engage. Apparently, they've banned Crying, Cantaloupe, and Justin Bieber, so I'm assuming this is... Justin Bieber? They said he's been banned for every iteration since 2015. And well, that's because in. Justin Bieber currently looks like uh, he's like white Coolio. He looks like fucking Biodome era Baldwin. He, he looks like Cynthia from fucking Rugrats. No, but he, he straight up he, he he's wearing like cut off fucking dickies and like has dreads, and he looks like the fucking Baldwin who was in Biodome. But when I see it, I'm like, dude, that's the baby kid, and that's what he is now. Respect. All right, what, uh, Let's what go. song are we on? Yeah, we're on. So we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to we're going to track eight. So, failure's not flattering is track number eight. I failure's not flat, uh, flattering is my least favorite newfound glory single. Oh damn! I was gonna, oh, I like I like the song a lot. Respect that, and that's cool. I like uh, I like the new wave kind of thing they tried here, just because. Shout again, out Reggie in the full effect. Yeah, yeah, he played on the played on the song. He played and on that song for years. They toured with them, right? He toured, he toured with them until like 2010. Yeah, um, but uh, he's the man, dude. Reggie and Full I, Effect I mean, rules. 
I think it's a good song. The video is really cool with the fly uh, and shit. <coughs> yeah, that video is ridiculous. Little. It looks like ta- it looks terrible, <laughs> but it's fun. You know, it's and then, fun, uh, but the CGI is ass. <laughs> you know, it's 2004. What do you want? Uh, right, but, uh, right. I feel bad. Good point. But uh, no, the lyrics are cool. It's just like people who don't want to change, and they keep. That's why they keep failing, and people who are fake and all that. And you know, it's cool. It's a good song. I I don't have too much to say about. It. I just I like it. I don't. It, know was, it was uh, it was one of their bigger songs in their career for as far as single, singles go. Yeah, it was a big song for sure. Still, it still goes off live. Oh, it for goes, sure. When, when I mean, they play that live, people go hard. Again, because I they're not a band I listen to. I lost Steve. Did you? No. I did. Steve, Larry lost. Excuse me, Larry lost you. Uh, I don't know That's why okay. that would happen. So the ninth track is "Over the Head, Below the Knees." This is another one of those dark, like, riffy, heavy, miserable, dark, riffy, and I think Chad like too. Wait, is "Over the Head" that that one? It's like uh, I, you must not have a heart. That song. Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah. dude, that, yeah, yeah. So, nah, 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 nah. another song in six, eight and three, four, whatever, which, whichever so, one, cause I don't know the difference, but so crazy, like how, heavy, uh, crazy, dark. Uh, I like how you can hear, clearly hear Chad singing backup, but, uh, I feel like Chad at the time, cause he like wrote the Hazen street record and then they like, wouldn't let him do it. Like, dude. So I feel like he just said, fuck it, I'm going to bring all that kind of riff here. Dude, know, the Hazen Street here. record, when you see who's in Hazen Street, and you're like, this record's going to be amazing. The Hazen Street record is not fucking good. Yeah, but like, there, there's, it's it's weird. Like, they were trying to do something specific, and I feel like Chad just brought that to this record. No, I, I, I completely understand. And when I see who's in Hazen Street, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to love this, and it's bad. It's yeah, it's what it is. Um, yeah, but I don't got much more. It's a cool song. It's dark, you know. Again, it's one of those weird great song, like, dark, heavy, riffy, guttural. It's it's great. It's great where it is. Um, ending in tragedy. That's again. It's like a Panic at the Disco vibe before Panic at the Disco was a band. It's that fucking like French carnival music. <laughs> but no, it's like that do 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 with the fucking ride symbol. Oh, okay, okay. I'll take that because uh, stay, stay what you are is uh, stay what you are is my top three favorite albums of all time. I mean, like I so just I, think, uh, I, I I can kind of see where you're coming from. I think like uh, this is in, it's darker sounding, but it's more somber and sad than it is like pissed off. Sure. So it's it's, it's definitely more sad and less angry. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, next track though is a is a big it's a definitely a live banger, but uh at least I'm known for something is probably the like the heaviest or like hardest song on the record. It's very roots NFG because it's it's major key, it's hardcore slam, it's breakdown, it's chug, it's positive melody. Lyrically, it's pretty upbeat. It's very classic NFG. Uh, yeah, they still got well. Freddie from Madballs on this one too, which is cool. They still got like some kind of I don't I don't know if it's a synth or keys. Let's hear from Madball. Like 
I, I don't know if it's synth keys or if it's like talk box, but they got some kind of weird production it's stuff. It's probably going not on fucking this. talk box. It might be. Um, sounds like it. There's some weird stuff going on there, but uh, that's just like production stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a live. Fa- it, it goes off live. Definitely, uh, it really does. This is actually the song that my buddy who wasn't into Newfound, I was able to get him into him more with this song because he was like, "Oh, this one kicks ass." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. Um, but I'll, I'm going to talk about this one more at the end. I have something to talk about it, but I got to get there first. Uh, anything else you guys got on this one? It's a great song. So, I'd Kill the Fall Asleep follows that one. And again, we're going into these, like, riffy, like, riff-based songs. Um, And, you know, they use some of the kind of phaser and clean guitars, like, the more, you know, the production stuff. But this one kind of has more of that, like, classic NFG tempo, just a little bit darker. I feel like these last three songs, starting with this one, lyrically are more, like, and I, I say, I'll say emo lightly. They're more emo in the like the '90s sense of emo, like the self, uh, like uh, uh, introspective, self-aware lyrics that Jordan's really into. The Texas is like, the reason type of shit. Yeah, get up, kids. Texas is the reason. Game face, you know that kind of stuff. Shout out Game Face. Nice name drop. Game Face, like if you listen to their old records, that just sounds like Jordan on Nothing Gold Can Stay. It's like the same. Yeah. True. Um. But uh, yeah, so it's like lyrically, I feel like that's kind of that the, these last three kind of go in that like uh, more introspective and not as relationship based and stuff like that. Sure. You definitely that's what I'm do. Saying. Well, that's what I'm saying is that's where it starts, and then uh, no news is good news kind of continues that. Uh, that one has interesting structure. But uh, uh, it's kind of the same lyrically. It kind of kind of stays like, like I'm they they're singing about this other stuff, but more talking about themselves. Definitely. Uh, and then who am I? Kind of wraps up that whole theme, and that that one has you know it has again the same type of lyrical like um, usage, but it's got the piano and like the who big am I has uh, the 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 overall sonic vibe of an NFG song. Yeah, it just kind of has that production with the piano and yeah, at the beginning of that like don't say this, say this way forever with the piano. Yeah, yeah, it's a great closer. It is a good closer. So, so um, there's two songs that didn't make the record though that I did want to talk about while we were doing this. So many do ways. Guys, uh, no, that's from a different record. Oh, fuck but uh, do you guys want to uh, take a break now and then finish up or? What do you want to do? Let's take a break. Let's talk about the the very last little bit and the B-sides of this record and stuff that they didn't make and what we're listening to currently, and then call it. Cool. Sounds good to me. Lasted a long as fuck yes. time. Yeah, because we, all uh, three of us, honest to God, are fucking drunk. And um, we had some nice shots, but it's okay. Look, here, we just want to say we got a couple bonus tracks to cover real quick. Um, I, they're not even like they're not unreleased, but they're very scarcely released tracks. They're like, besides, yeah, but they're weird. Like they didn't come out. Like it's hard to find them. Like, you can get them on YouTube. What are they? So the first one is called Whiskey Rose. Whiskey Rose is a bullshit song, and it didn't make the album because it's not very good. See, I really like Whiskey Rose. Um, but it's acoustic, recorded, and I feel like if it was recorded in a proper like full band setting. 
I feel like the only reason it didn't make the record is because it would have sounded like a Sticks and Stones B-side. Sure. But I really do like the song. Um, I think that uh, it has some kind of that like jawbreaker and sugar influence, especially with being acoustic. Shout out That's Sugar. Very, which is, yeah, which is very... Jordan is into all those bands. Jordan so loves Sugar. And Jawbreaker. Um, and it kind of continues with the introspective emo lyrics. But I just want to say, if you're into Newfound Glory or if you kind of like them and you've never heard of Whiskey Rose, check it out on YouTube. It's uh, it's acoustic, but it still has the drums. And, and it, it, it's a really... Uh, it's a it's a cool song. I like it. Uh, but it's it's not like anything amazing. But it, it it's cool. Anything else you guys want to add to that one? Um, it's not super related, but uh, uh Jordan Pundik, uh, his dad is gay. Like um, that's true. It's like a he new thing. It's like a newer thing. He did it on Hard Work Less. Yeah, on Ray Harkin. So I was yeah. like, hey, Jordan Pundik, is your dad handsome? Because <laughs> like I'm kind of curious. If you become Jordan yeah. Pundik's stepdad, hit up uh, hit, hit up our man. Uh, <laughs> hit up uh, our Jordan Pundik, if your dad is good looking, holler and uh, I would well, love to well, uh, be one of your quasi parents. Well, look, <laughs> we we like Greg too much for that, but uh, y'all might, but like um, Jordan Pundik is in the picture. I mean, fair enough. Fucking motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, chill. <laughs> he's uh, right there. He's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> uh, no, we we, nah, we, we, we we like st- Greg. We we stand Greg still. We're Greg. You fans. hear that? You didn't hear that, bro. You got some fans, motherfucker. Uh, it's my man's. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like uh, you know, regardless of of that or not, it probably is tough when you're. A kid and your parents split up like that. Oh, for sure. In, in a so, situation like that, because like nine times out of ten, when you're a kid and your parents split up, that's not the reason. No, but I'm just saying like, so it, it's probably tough because uh, he definitely, he has kids now and a wife and stuff. So um, that you you can start to hear that kind of stuff in in, in the newer music, especially about Ian. Yeah. Because he seems like a really great dad. Who Ian is a great dad. And he got his life together, and I, I love Ian. I've met him, and he's I've talked to him online too, and um, we've like traded baseball stuff, and he's really cool. So, uh, you know, it seems like that that's like uh, you could see them grow through their music, which is crazy. Definitely. Because Chad, Chad literally dropped out of high school to do the band. Um, the other song that's unreleased that uh, came out, I think it was like an Australian or Japanese bonus track, but it was uh, called Radio Adelaide. Radio and, fucking Adelaide, dude. And this song, yeah. so so Ian had said that he was in the camp of people who voted for the song to make the record, and I can't remember the other song it was against that ended up making it, but it's one of the, like the last three songs. I feel like Radio Adelaide didn't make the record because they already had at least I'm known for something. Sure. And they were like, ah, we don't need two Mashi songs, and it, at least I'm known for something's a better song, which I agree with, but. I really, I really like Radio Adelaide. It's moshy and it's heavy, and I just wish that it would have gotten like a B side release or a single release, just because it's catchy, it's heavy, and while I'm not saying it's one of the best songs I've ever written, I do like it. I love Radio Adelaide. So yeah, so it's one of those songs where I'm like, ah, I think that they could have, could have like. We will never like see Radio Adelaide live. They did it once. We we saw it. 
No, we didn't see oh, it. We didn't see it. I was like, "The fuck you saw Radio Adelaide." No, somebody <laughs> who wasn't that dumb skinny kid asked them to play it at that request thing. Yeah, and you know and what? That dumb skinny kid. He to fucked this up. Day, I I really want to find out where that motherfucker like works. And like, hey man, you remember when you requested a song that they probably would have played fucking anyway? You but, dumb uh, motherfucker. You but, could at uh, least said like twos and threes or when something. They, like, when God they, damn it. Oh, uh, twos and threes is a great song. Like, but anyways, th- that kid, uh, so when they played Radio Adelaide, someone requested Jordan, like, got them to get their phone out and pull up the lyrics. And he, like, looked at it. But they did it. It's on YouTube. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I'll look it up tonight. That's so cool. But, like, dude, I there's... It sounds insane to say that, like, once a month, I think about that. Well, I mean, I'm, at, I'm in this small room in, in Chicago with like a thousand other people. And this guy's like, hey, hey, will you play this song that you were probably going to play three songs from now anyway? Because I, I know that one. Like, dude, fuck you. If I was them and I called that kid up there and that's what he requested, but like, get the fuck off of here. Let's get someone real up here. Was it Look, just the request or was it one where they got to play no. with them? No, no, they didn't get to play with them. They got to, like, sing, but here's what I think. They said, look at the set list and pick something that's not on our set list, and look, here's the deal. Maybe that's his favorite song. Sure! And I'm not going to be mad about that, because, look, my favorite song is Sunny, and they do play that one a lot. Sure, but, I get that. But you and I, especially, Larry, we're in that camp of people who, like, love Newfound so much that even if they weren't playing Sunny, I might have been like, yo, like, I want to fucking hear, like... Winner of '95 or something, or never exactly. snowed before. But but that's only because I know that not only have I seen them play Sunny a bunch, but like they're gonna keep playing it because it's a classic and it's on their biggest album. But this dude, it was like, hey, dude, like I get it, like maybe it was your favorite song, and maybe he just, I don't know, I'm not gonna like. I, I'm what with would you, you have but picked if you were that guy? What would you have said? Um. Well. I mean, with the set list in front of me, I'd have a better idea because I don't remember the exact set list. It's, the, the set list, it was nothing special. But, like, I know they didn't play Sonny, and the only reason I know that was because I was mad because I went... All right, I'm not mad. My friend, uh, Jamie, one of my best friends, she bought me and Steve the tickets for my birthday. Sure. So, shout out Jamie. That yeah. was awesome. Shout out her. Jamie. Uh, shout out Jamie. And, and the night before, they played Sonny, and they switched it out for something else. I'm not mad they about sure that. They sure did play the night before. I didn't go both nights because uh, my work schedule then was really, I really... went both nights. That's when I was managing my store and the, the Cubs and Blackhawks were both, like, insane. Sure. Anyways. Uh, but I wasn't like, okay, whatever. It's my favorite song. It's not, not the biggest deal because I love, like, all newfound songs. But I probably would have picked something off of Nothing Gold Could Stay solely for the fact that those are the songs you don't get to see a lot. I a thousand percent would have picked Never Sometimes. That's... That's one of them too. Never sometimes or, or never. third and long, and I've I've seen them play third and long like ten times, but like it never gets old. Uh, you got friend in Pennsylvania, winter '95. Never, you know, all those are are good songs. So, oh, can I flex quick? Yeah, I've seen Newfound Glory play JB. What the fuck? When did they play that? Uh, two thousand one at the Metro with H two O and Big Wig. What the fuck? They probably had more time than they fucking. Uh, they were, knew they what were to headline. Do. They were headlining the Metro, and they had the only one or two, technically two full lengths out. But they played JB. 
That was cool. With the sample and everything. I was like five. With the Ferris Bueller sample? Yeah. I was legitimately five when that show happened. I was I was I was fucking twelve when that show happened and I was there. That's insane. That's this is the kind of stories that I'm gonna be telling Pelham. That was my about. first newfound glory show, but also that was my third H two O show. Hell I'm gonna yeah. be t- I'm gonna be telling people about that when I I'm like yeah I saw Asteria play fucking Briarwood or whatever the fuck dude no and no, literally no one's gonna give a shit because it's um, Asteria I mean I I have that clout with but also, counterparts dude, but I don't fucking, have that with anything else it's a beautiful night for a showdown though since we got <laughs> since we got through the album uh, I'm gonna say a quick story okay yeah go ahead. Um, unless you had something to say, Steve, first. Well, I was going to say, finish your anecdote, and then I have to, like, fill in what I missed, because I had technical difficulties. Okay, so, um, I've told Larry this story, and Steve knows about this, but I'm not sure if I've told it on the pod, but I went to a Mysterio show one time where this girl that I went to school with, uh, her family had money, and they rented out a room in the courthouse for her, like, sweet 16 birthday party or whatever. Sandstorm intro! It wasn't that. Oh, my bad. This is the courthouse. It was a private party, and they had a stereo play. Rare. And they played, like, 20 songs or whatever because they got hired. And so they played, like, basically, like, everything they had out, like, the whole, like, self-titled EP and the uh, um, uh, fucking slip into something more comfortable and then a couple of songs from the first one, like Briarwood and, like, whatever. Detectives. And- Nah, they might have played it. I don't remember the exact God, the Texas fucking bangs, dude. Right, but like they like no like at this era they were never playing that shit. Duh, 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 duh. Okay, so sorry. no, it's fine. The car starting up at the beginning of the CD. But uh anyways So fucking me and my friends were joking around and I was talking about their first EP, like their demo, and I was like, play circles. And they made an all-time low joke, and they were like, we'll just play the whole party scene album. Hey, kid, you've got... And I was like, because... And I was just like, damn. I think I, me and one of my friends that was in my band were like the only two people who got it. Because most of the people there were like people who liked Asteria but weren't that into music, or people who just didn't know what the fuck was going on. Well, hey, man. You've got up a lot of potential, but I think it's time to move on. I'm with you. <laughs> um, early all time low fucking slams, dude. All time low is playing fucking Lollapalooza. <laughs> I'm sitting here eating fucking chips. Right, like I'm I'm in fucking my bedroom in my apartment, like drinking a fucking seven dollar bottle of huge wine, while all time low is playing Lollapalooza. And there's a picture of me playing guitar with all time low playing a Blink One Eight Two song. What did I do wrong? I don't know. It was the wine. If it's the wine, then I'm fucked. Um, I don't know where exactly I fell off, but we did run into some technical difficulties, so I'll just give you my little two cents on the back half of the album uh, while you hear some chairs moving and some lips smacking in the background. I'll stop moving. Uh... Doubtful is a great play on words. It's a really good song. Failure's not flattering. I, th- I think is a, I think is a great song. Larry's not big on it. Mill likes it. Um, the next couple ones, over the head, below the knees, and ending in tragedy, are both good. 
I think the record really picks up at this point. And like I said, I think it picks from picks takes a little bit from Stay What You Are and that time period of music. The back um, half of this record really hits a lot. Uh, at least I know for something's heavy as hell. Uh, live banger for sure. And I would group the last three songs, like Mill was saying, as it's kind of they they switch up the the lyrical direction a little bit. Definitely. And uh, who am I is a wonderful closer. I told myself all day I would listen to the B sides, and I did not. That is human error. I will go listen to them after this episode, but I would take these two guys' word for it. If you're going to take anyone's word for uh, anything NFG based, honest to God, without sending like a cock ring, it's it's me and Mills. <laughs> Mills eating chips out of a cup and I'm holding a bottle of wine that's bigger than Steve. So like, what else do you need? Um, I'm eating chili cheese Fritos and they're, and they're fucking good. But I will say, I will say the goat Fritos are honey barbecue flavor flavor twist. Ooh, and if you, if you the, say uh, if you say otherwise, you're fucking wrong. I like eating regular Fritos in a walking taco. I'm gonna be wrong. Sure, sure, uh, but that's like a Frito plus a bunch of other stuff. I'm yeah. I'm gonna be wrong, and I have one. Uh, that, no, flaming. Yeah, Steve's right. Flaming the flaming hot Fritos. They're rare. You could you could rarely find them anywhere. I could like the only place I could find them in this area was the fucking gas station by Big Shots back in the day. Shout out Brosters Chicken. Shout out fucking tribute bands and Jinkos. I don't know why the fuck I never just bought potato wedges instead of instead of like whatever. Because else the, the potato wedges wedges at Brosters Chicken are like violently dense and weird. Oh, I'm glad I didn't buy them then. They're but, good, but they're weird. But they're Steve, very heavy. Yeah. What uh how much do you need the abs to win by? Four. They're only gonna win by one. Well, here's to. I think here's it's like to six that. to three. Here's Wait, to I gotta Steve's get thing. my. Sh- I gotta get my shot. Yeah, we we still need the pour, dude. More you, one, you, more shots exist, right? Well, not for you. Yes, they do. No, just pull wine, pull wine, pull wine. Ah, uh, fine. Top, <laughs> like a- I capped it off, and I got wine. Okay. Fact to have Steve in the building, y'all. Let's get wild. The, the voice of reason. You get me, baby. All right. All right. So, oh, premium content. There you go. Are so you we're going to go have a shot before we get out of here. Do you guys want to talk about what you're listening to real quick? Yeah. Newfound glory. <laughs> <laughs> like, honest to God, for real, the last two days I've been listening uh, to Catalyst, actually. This, um, oh, but ahead, other right. than that, I've been listening to a lot of May. Word. Rare. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Beastie Boys, Check Your Head. Hell yeah. Uh, and I've been listening to a lot of Spitfire. Do y'all remember Spitfire? I can't say no. I do. Spitfire was a band on Solid State and Face Down back in the day. Uh, really abrasive, very abrasive Christian hardcore. And I've yeah. also been listening to a lot of um, Helen Home. No shit. I have. I've been listening to Helen Home for a couple months. It's a good album. It's a great album, actually. It's, it's my favorite record of theirs. That's like the consensus, but I'm just like... They I have understand three... they've done more significant <laughs> shit. Like, they have three records that dunk on that album. No, but that record, like, you hear it and you're just like... For the time when that record happened, you're like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. What? what, what? Absol- no, that record changed my life. 
fully. The record changed melodic hardcore. It did. No, and, and I acknowledge that, but I'm just like, when I got a tragedy in my hands for the first time, I'm like, this is the greatest thing of all time. This is the first re- uh, episode of this show where I'm like, I've been listening to Counterparts. <laughs> F- <laughs> no, but I really, I have been listening to that record a lot. Um, I do. Mm-hmm. I love that record very much. And every time I listen, because I listen to that record front to back, like maybe two or three times a year. Fair enough. And I, when I it happens, I'm like, oh, fuck, this band is so good. And then I go back and I listen to everything they've done. Mm-hmm. And everything they've done. It's so good, and all of their albums are completely different. And they're, as far as where they are with their genre, Counterparts is to late 2010s melodic hardcore as Killswitch Engage is to early 2000s metalcore. Absolutely. They are very important. They carry a bunch of torches. And they've paved a ton of different roads, and they're a very underappreciated band. Fuck yeah! And obviously, I'll fly that flag any day. Yeah, but it's just uh, it's it's uh, everything is the same on this show. It's just me saying it, not Steve. Yeah, we just revert, reverse roles. So now, Mel, uh, talk about Phoebe Bridgers, and everything comes full circle. Nah, <laughs> sorry, <he> never. <laughs> All right, then talk about Julian Baker. Do you like that? You like bright eyes, motherfucker? Like, do something cool. <clears throat> I've been listening to Black Train Jack. Who is uh, that? It's like an old punk band <laughs> from the 90s. Tight. Uh, they have an album called No Reward that's really good. Uh, and then, aside from Newfound, I've just been listening to a ton of fucking Gin Blossoms. Shout out, dude. So Yeah, shout out Gin Blossoms. Out uh, Gin one, Blossoms. one of the first cassettes I ever owned. There you go. Shout out having, like, the best hard liquor in your name. Absolutely. A gin blossom is uh, the weird red splotch you get on your face when you get gin drunk. No shit. Yep, that's a gin blossom. That's what that means. That's incredible. I'm going to fucking switch. I know, and I know that you have fucking had one. It, probably multiple times. I, I'm I, I'm just in the point now where I'm not handling this whiskey great in my stomach. Like I'm not going to puke, but I feel like crap. And I'm just like, fuck, man. I'm just going to start buying gin again. Sam, dude. I don't know why you stopped. I don't know why I stopped either, man. I'm a fucking idiot. Janice yep. Christ, man. I'm a dumbass hoe. Well, Steve, what you I'm a dumbass hoe. Are you kidding me? That's where you went? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I went. I didn't know what the hell at the end. I'm a, I'm a hoe. Um, I'm really into counterparts, and Steve is a dumbass hoe. So, get me. Uh, uh, who knows where we are? So, I li- so after the Prada stream, I- I've listened to a ton of them. Holy shit, y'all. If y'all also, At did time, either of you watch the fucking Life in the Blue Room Knock Loose stream? I did not. Not yet. Holy fucking it, shit, was it good. If I can catch a uh, a sketch re-upload, I will, not to uh, they, ha- from they, them. They have them. They have them on their shit right now, Until I think until tomorrow. Oh, is it till tomorrow? Okay. I, I think the- it's still tomorrow. But dude, other than like... The the first wave under oath streams, like which were like the the OG, like we're giving a shit streams. Mm-hmm. No, nothing has been as good except those. The like the OG under oath streams were like the best streams anyone's ever done. Which is also kind of bullshit when they put those out. They're like, here, you're all capable of this. Do this. And you're like, oh, fuck, come on, man. Like, this isn't fair. Don't put out some shit this good. I think they, they did like a fucking box set. 
like in the they did a whole ass vinyl box set with these beautifully shot things yeah because they were of that caliber they were that good that was fucking not fair because this was still new to everybody yeah when no one's like oh we don't know how to do this and like hey uh we figured it out fuck you go ahead and try to touch this and bands are like just now starting to touch this and that was a fucking year ago true that was bogus. Fuck under oath for that. It was unfair. Fuck you guys. <laughs> it was really good. Fuck you. <laughs> no, they were super good, but it was really unfair of them to do that because no one was capable Look, of making their shit that good. The fact of the matter is if you have good direction and shooting and you have good sound, you'll succeed. And sure. I've only watched four of these. I missed the Misery Signals one, which I still regret. I did not see it either. Um, did I? I might have. I watched a lot of these. But... The four I watched was, I got, Prada did three, I watched two of them. I missed the With Roots, but I did Zombie in Space, and then. I saw the Zombie in Space one. Oh it was fucking bonkers. So and I, I watched just the last one. The Z2 one was their best, as far as I'm concerned. I like the, I like the Zombie one better just because it was songs that I love. Mm-hmm. Instead of new but, shit. but the other one did sound better. I think the shooting, like the direction, the lighting, and all the all that, like the direct. I don't know, like film terms, but the way it looked and the way it sounded, and it just got me so excited for their new release. And I think when you're a band, it's a power move to just say, "Hey, we're gonna play our whole new release. Come see it." And not even, and when it's not even out, dude, right? That's cool. Hard. As I did, you watch um any of the NFG streams? I did not. Did you? Not Dude, really. it's so I don't, weird. I don't like I don't like live streams because NFG did they, they've been doing live streams the whole time. Like they started pretty early on. Yeah, and they're like, oh, here, like we're gonna do our new record and play a bunch of crazy stuff. We're like, this is the twenty year of our self title. We're gonna do that, and like you watch them, and like Jordan's voice sounds really bad on all of them, and it's a huge bummer. Yeah, I don't know. I I just have a hard time watching that kind of stuff. Like, I like watching live shows where there's people there, like recordings of live shows, because I, I think that that has a different dynamic. Sure. But like watching people play like a live stream, it's kind of like watching somebody play like a audio tree or something. But like they're doing it live in front of people. I don't know. I'm I I'm get it. About it. And like, it's not an ideal thing. But like, when it's a band that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're, like, in in a shit spot. I'm like, okay, like, I'm going to do what I can. Like, the NFG, uh, uh, NFG need, like, legitimately, like, could actually use $10 for me. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do no, that. No, like, and if a band, like, wanted to fuck, like, I, I buy merch and stuff, too. And, like, I'll buy, but it's sure. just, like, I just, like, I don't know. Like, I, there's a couple of bands I might be really interested to see. Um, yeah, but yeah. Like, but like, it's mostly like shit. That, like, if Tom was like, "I'll play with Blink," I'd be like, "Well, yeah, I'll buy that." Do you know how many MXPX live streams I paid for? I don't know, probably like seven, thirteen. Jeez, was it like a weekly thing or something? Uh, they did. Uh, they did a lot. That's and it. they they have fourteen records, and between the all these streams. They played almost every single song they have. That's actually pretty cool to do, like which an is super cool. Thing. Yeah, they're just they it was randomly they're like fuck it, you know what? We got a million songs. <clears throat> fuck it, let's play everything. They played songs that like I couldn't even possibly imagine. So me and Caleb like we would get on a Facetime, 
and the MXPX live stream and be on like, yo, we're going to watch this. And they'd play songs. It'd be like me and him holding our iPhones in our living room, fucking pacing back yeah. and forth. Like, can you believe they're playing this? Let's go. The first uh, the first Prada stream I got on Discord with my friends in England and we all watched together. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, and shout, shout out my guy Giuseppe. Absolutely, absolutely slaying it on the drums. Shout out Giuseppe. Who is Giuseppe? That is the drummer in the Devil Wars Prada. I highly doubt he hears There's this. a guy in the Devil Wars Prada who is associated with around here somehow. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, Mike lived, in Hold Chi- on. Mike lived in Chicago for a little bit. Hey, who's in Prada now? Ashley. Oh, my God. Who's in Prada? What band did he used to be in? The Elation? He was not in the Elation. Shout out to Ashley. Alright, well, whatever. There's uh, The guy who plays guitar for Prada is associated with a band from, like, NWI or the in uh, Illinois suburbs. He was in one of those bands. And, you know, he's in Prada. It's me next year. Oh, Mill Salvage is in the Devil Wars Prada. I can't wait for that. But uh, uh, I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would never happen. Um, <laughs> just the whole live stream was great. The new song sounded insane. That, that'll be out at the time of release for our pod. Comes out Friday. Uh, Z2. I... So Z2 comes out Friday? Yeah. Yo, what are you, do- what are you doing tomorrow at like 1230? Probably. What are you doing in like 24 hours? Caraway. Uh, Caraway? Caraway. Mill. Yeah. He was in Caraway. What a downgrade. Wow. We love Caraway very much, actually. He was really in Car- The guy who played guitar for Caraway is in Ellen. With him and Alex. Oh my god! Dude, dude, that's the guy. This guy was in Caraway. That's too bad. And now he's in fucking Prada. That's Car- too bad. Caraway should-, should be headlining Lollapalooza. Caraway will headline maybe a legion with like 30 people there and Prada is Prada. I'm just joking, yeah, you guys. But, uh, I know, but still, like, dude, that's cool. Um, Holy for, shit, the guy from I, Caraway's in Prada now. Good for him. <laughs> My like the fact that the fact that like I have a friend of a friend with someone in that band, uh I do truly love their music, and if there's one band that Absolutely. I, that truly. Like I really one, do. There's one band that I like reconnected with and, and like truly told myself and Oh my god, I love this band. It's the Devil Wars Prada. And all of the live streams just kick ass. So that that's definitely one band that I Absolutely. To this week. Absolutely. It was really cool hearing Dead Throne stuff too. I feel like that record slept on by a lot that of was people. Cool. Um other than that, to go back yeah, to um to what we were listening to. Uh the Japanese house, good at falling. Sure. Uh, it's really one of the only few indie pop records I really love, and I really love that record. Right on. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's just the songwriting or what, her voice or whatever, but that record kicks ass. And uh, Twenty One Savage, uh, I am greater than I was. Uh, can't live, can't leave without it. It's probably one of the hardest rap songs ever, and no one talks about it. Uh, sure. Sh- shout out Wheezy. Wheezy out of here. Um, that beat goes yeah absolutely stupid. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Twenty One Savage, and my record is called for uh from Caraway to Prada. <laughs> you okay, Milch? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I was sorry. All right. I thought we were talking about what we were listening to, and then you guys started talking about Prada, and I don't know anything after like two thousand eight. So I yeah, just but you know a lot out. about Caraway. You Actually, go your way, oh, I'll uh, go mine. Again, the, 2008. Uh, the last, the last thing, yeah. last thing I'll say is the uh, 
The Drone Artist, 36. Uh, I've been listening, if anything, if I'm in the middle of my day. If I'm watching sports, I'll usually throw on a record if I don't care for the commentators, but between falling asleep or working on design or whatever, uh, watching sports now, I throw on... General Steve shit. I, I throw on 36, and it's just beautiful ambient drones that I want to make one day. Like That is... Eventually, when I put out a drone record, that's going to be like my main. I feel like you could put out a drone record in a day if you tried. Probably, but because you're a very talented guy and you're a very creative and smart guy, and drone is fucking boring, and you could do it. I appreciate it. I don't care if it's boring. I fuck with. And I don't want to downplay on what you're into, but like you could do drone because drone is just straight ooh, and that shit is dull, and you could do it, motherfucker. Just put out a drone record. Start it tomorrow, and you can put it out tonight. I gotta finish the Stoli record first. Fuck that. Put out the drone record. It'll take you 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't know how to mix. But uh, anyways. Uh, I don't either and I still try. That's all I've been listening to. That's fair. What about you, Mel? i also been listening to a lot of Emmanuel. You remember them? Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Emmanuel and Aesthetic all by. <laughs> Shout uh, out high school. Yeah. Rare. Word. You going to bed? I'm going to bed. Okay, need, well I'll we be here to, for a minute. We need to wrap it up still. Fuck that. He can listen to me screaming about Newfound Glory. What's good? What you been listening to, Mel? I already said that like 20 minutes ago. Did you really? Yeah, he already went. Then we talked about Prada for 20 minutes. Oh, well. I'm holding up the bottle of wine. The world can't see it, but that's where we are. Okay. Word. What did you say you were listening to, though? Gin Blossoms. That's right. That's the... Yeah, that happened. Okay, fuck me. No, you're good. I just was listening to you guys. Like I said, I was listening. I just don't have anything to contribute because I don't know anything about that. That's okay. Um, I like well, I like Prada, but like I kind of had don't know any fucking material after like with Roots, and I don't listen to a ton of it. I like it, but not enough to be familiar with. Like, actually, you guys are, so. I've really only listened to with Roots like three times in full. That's fine. And it's okay. Uh, you know what? Next week, I honestly kind of want to do this again. Cool. You want to do the end of party? I have a, I have two records I want to do, and that is one of them. I'll talk about the other one once we stop. We'll discuss it. Uh, it might. Uh, so don't take that with the, or take that with a grain of salt. What we do next? Uh, this has been our show. This has been our show. Um, thanks for hanging out. This has been Newfound Glory's record from 2004. This has been when they started wearing like really heavily washed denim and, and collars. Like, and like polos, yeah. And like button ups. A lot of collars, a lot of uh, like express clothing. Um, they got, that's because they had the big money. They had the, they had the Geffen money. Uh, it might not be what they wanted to do, but it's what uh, Geffen paid them to do. And uh, here we are. Shout out Stole Away. And uh, fuck the world.